Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Family Talk podcast, a conversation designed to help people grow deep and live tall. There's no better place for people to grow than in a family. So welcome to the family. You'll find out very quickly that this is a compilation podcast. One episode you may hear an interview. The next may be a story or a testimony, or we may be diving deep into theology or church leadership. So welcome to Family Talk. Let's get started. Welcome to our Family Talk podcast. Today I am with Dale Sism, longtime pastor and ministry coach and presiding overseer of Harvest Network International. We're going to kind of dive into all this, of course, your personal life too. So Dale, why don't you start us off today? Just tell us a little, about, a little bit about you and your family and kind of who you are so we kind of have a context for where we're going in this conversation. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be with you. I look forward to our time together and uh, just going to believe that God is going to do amazing things uh, through everyone who's going to be listening uh, today. Um, my wife, Sandy, wishes she was here with us, but uh, anyway, I have one wife married to uh, Sandy. We've been married for 45 years, uh, just celebrated our anniversary. Uh, we have three grown children and seven grandchildren, wow. and uh, we are just absolutely blessed. We live in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, we grew, both of us grew up in Iowa, but uh, transplanted to Minneapolis over 40 years ago. So that's now home for us. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. So how did you and Sandy meet? Well, we've known each other since we were little kids. Really? Yeah. So uh, her parents are missionaries in Iowa. I often say I grew up on the foreign mission field in Iowa. <laughs> and uh, her, her parents uh, worked for an organization. It was originally called American Sunday School Union, the oldest Sunday school organization in America. Started back in the 1700s, uh, later became American Missionary Fellowship. And so they started churches and Sunday schools uh, throughout mostly rural communities in central Iowa. And and so one of the churches that I attended, which was a little country church a mile across the cornfield from where I grew up, uh, was one of the churches that was on his mission field. And then every year they ran vacation Bible schools. Uh, they did about 20 VBSs every summer. Wow. And then they also held youth camps, uh, you know, from children all the way up to uh, teenagers. And so every year since the time I was eight years old, I would go to youth camp, and so I've known Sandy since we were little, little kids. Of course, we didn't recognize or notice each other until we were much older. Yeah, when, when did that happen? <laughs> that's, that's the part you really want to get to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I was in between my first and second year of college. Sandy's two years younger than me, so she was between her junior and senior year of high school, and it was one year at camp. Uh, I was a counselor at that time, and she was a counselor as well. And uh, we just kind of noticed each other. And uh, 
you know, you have your sessions during the day, but then in the evenings, you always had the campfire and sing along, and you know, I played the guitar, and and she thought that was kind of cool, and uh, of course, I had long hair then, back when I had hair, and uh, uh, so you know, somehow we saddled up next to each other, and uh, somewhere along the way, we our hands kind of touched, and uh, <laughs> and the rest is history. The rest right? is history. <laughs> oh, that's great. So tell me about how you came to faith in Jesus. Yeah, you know, so as I mentioned, I grew up uh, in in Iowa, grew up on a farm. Uh, my parents loved the Lord. They uh, both are very active in our church, a little country church that was literally a mile across the cornfield from where I grew up. And so I was always in church. I never remember a time I wasn't. Uh, probably the Sunday after mom came home with me from the hospital, we probably were in church because my mom played the piano and she played the piano for almost 50 years at the same church and uh, actually probably over 50 years. Uh, so uh, I don't ever remember a time when I really didn't, quote, love the Lord, but it was one summer during vacation Bible school that the gospel story made sense, and it made sense in a way that an eight-year-old boy could understand. I knew that I needed a Savior. By the time I was eight years old, you know, certainly I wasn't a drug runner or anything, but I knew I had done enough that had displeased God that I needed forgiveness of sin. And so I went up to my vacation Bible school teacher and uh, I remember kind of tugging on her a little bit and said, I want to say that prayer. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And again, it was as an eight-year-old boy could understand. I knew when I wanted to die, I wanted to go up and not down. <laughs> I wanted to uh, have my sins forgiven. And so I can still point to the place at, in that basement of that little country church where I asked Jesus to come into my life. And of course, my life has been forever changed. Uh, interesting thing and funny part of that story is little did I know that 12 years later, that VBS teacher would eventually become <laughs> my mother-in-law. <laughs> and uh, uh, I often tease her. I said, you know, you told me what to say then and you still tell me what to <laughs> say now. But uh uh, she is just such a dear lady, and my father-in-law, who um, was such a mentor in my life, uh, went home to be with the Lord last year, and uh, she's wow. she's doing well. Of course, missing her her <laughs> husband, but uh, doing well, finding new places of ministry as well. Wow, what a great story! What a great heritage, right? Good family. Now, tell us about your musical ability, Dale. <laughs> Well, first of all, my first instrument that I played was trumpet. I played trumpet from the time I was in fifth grade all the way through college. And then I learned a lot of brass instruments during that time as well. You know, French horn, baritone, tuba. You know, we went to a small school, so you had to learn, kind of do everything. Um, but the one that I loved was playing guitar. And so I had uh, an old guitar that was my uncle's that I, you know, learned to pick up and just start playing and only had one guitar lesson in my entire life. Wow. And uh, so I started playing when I was about 12 years old, playing on the guitar. 
And then by the time I was 15, uh, again, this low country church, we had a pastor that was so encouraging to young people. Uh, they were having a, re a revival one week and wanted some special music. So there's three of us in the, in the youth group that had some musical ability, a uh, keyboard player and me as a guitar player and a drummer, and asked us to put together a little band. And so we did. And, uh, and anyway, we loved playing together. And we ended up over the next five years um, building a band that, that traveled quite a bit throughout uh, the Midwest, mostly in Minnesota or Iowa and Minnesota. And, uh, and then we began to work with you know, a lot of festivals and, uh, and it, was just, it was just a joy. We were, uh, we were a good little band. <laughs> and they started playing bass guitar and then eventually switched to regular guitar and then uh, eventually electric. So uh, yeah. Very cool. Awesome, man. Okay, so I know you spent a lot of years uh, pastoring. So tell us a little bit how you felt God called you into ministry. Tell us that story. Yeah, so that actually goes back to the time when we were playing in this band. I knew that there was a call on my life. Uh, there, was, there was a passion on the inside of me to reach people, and that's what we were doing in this band. Now, i got to be honest and say, my lifestyle did not always match my message while I was a teenager. And because of that, as I grew older and even got married is I always had on the, in the back of my mind, I'm not good enough to be in ministry. Mm. Uh, because again, I go back to the times when my lifestyle didn't always match what my message was. Uh, and so I talked myself out of ministry and I felt like I was Jonah eventually at one time that I was running away from the call of God in my life. And there was a time, Sandy and I had been married for almost five years by this time. And so I was 25 years old, and God just grabbed my heart uh, so much that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was called into ministry, and, and I was to quit running. And Sandy actually was teaching back at that camp that I was telling you about earlier with her parents. She was teaching uh, that week. I was home, and, uh, and I was driving down to pick her up, and on our way back, it was like I was proposing all over again. I said, honey, what, what do you think if we went into ministry? And she just kind of stopped, her face went white, and she said, God told me that you were going to ask me that question. Wow. And so uh, from there, we actually moved back to Iowa. Uh, we waited a year, went through some, some training, and then went back and worked with her mom and dad in their ministry and then overseeing one of their little mission churches. It wasn't a large church. It was more like an overgrown small group. Uh, but we grew that over the next two years. We grew it to a place where they were able to call a full-time pastor. And, and, uh, and then from there, we moved back. By this time, we had moved to the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, Twin Cities area. And, and that became home for us. Uh, even though we're Iowa you know, farm kids, uh, the Twin Cities had become our home. And so we ended up moving back and then eventually got involved with the church that we ended up eventually pastoring years later. Wow. And so how, how many years were you pastoring? We pastored a total of 37 years. 
Uh, we pastored three churches, the small one in Iowa. Uh, we then uh, pioneered a church and was there for eight years, planted a church, and then spent 25 years at the church that we are currently wow. at right now. Wow, that's awesome. So what are you doing now that you're not pastoring anymore? Well, our, our plates are full. Someone once asked, what's it like to be retired? And I said, well, that lasted for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and uh, we are busier now than really we ever have been in the last 40 years of ministry. Uh, we are doing two things, and, and both of them fit together so well and identify with the passion that God has placed on my heart. And that is for pastors and ministry leaders. Uh, so... Uh, in 2000, uh, I have been part of the board of elders for Harvest Network International Network of Churches that I know Cornerstone is a part of. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a Cornerstone, you're one of the elders. Mm -hmm. And I've been an elder since 2006. And there was a transition that was happening, and the elders asked if I would step in and serve as a presiding overseer in 2000. And, and in addition to that, Sandy and I work with another national uh, nonprofit ministry called Standing Stone Ministry, a ministry based out of California, whose primary purpose is to provide confidential care for pastors and ministry leaders and their spouses, primarily those who are at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Uh, these are individuals that walking through a crisis, walking through whatever challenge they may face, and need someone to talk to, need someone maybe to walk them off a ledge, uh, but encourage them in ministry. And so uh, the beauty part between what we do with Harvest Network and Standing Stone, I, I liken it to what we do with Harvest is often what I call the front stage of ministry. Mm. With Standing Stone is the backstage of ministry, and they just work so hand in hand together. Wow, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, Harvest Network, and then we'll jump more into Standing Stone. So for Harvest Network, what's the passion? What, what, what's Harvest Network all about? I mean, I know I've been a part. Our listeners may not know as much. Uh, I've been an elder in there since about 2014. Uh, you've been an elder much longer, now presiding overseer. Tell me about Harvest Network, why it's so important to the body of Christ. Well, it's important <clears throat> primarily because pastoring is not easy, and uh, and. The beauty of Harvest Network is, is that we are a network not just for churches and pastors, but for all ministry leaders, is that whether they serve in a parachurch organization or whether they are uh, serving as a missionary or on staff at a local church, mm -hmm. there's a place for them to be inspired, to be nurtured, and to be equipped mm -hmm. in their ministry. And so... Uh, Harvest Network serves such a, a vital role in, in that process, in the development of who they are as, as ministry leaders uh, so that they can remain healthy, so that they can finish strong. Uh, we have a passion to see God's kingdom come on earth. Uh, you know, Jesus taught us to pray that way, uh, pray, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have a job to do here on earth, and that is to win the world for Christ. And we need each other. Uh, we need to be collaborating with one another. We need to be working with one another, not be isolated. And again, this comes back to the beauty of Harvest Network, is you've got these parachurch organization and ministry leaders, missionaries, as well as international 
We have 36 different international, uh, what we call peer-level ministry leaders in 19 total countries, and and working together with the local church. So we can we can really provide help and tools and resources so that wherever you are and whatever you're doing in ministry, uh, we've got the people and the resources that can help. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, so let's go to Standing Stone. So what, what are you doing with Standing Stone? What is that ministry all about? So Standing Stone is a ministry that started actually about 20 years ago out of a need that pastors are alone and they don't know who to talk to. Uh, 58% of all pastors say that that they feel isolated, they don't have any true friends at all. Mm -hmm. And so the end result of that is that who do they share their burden with? Mm -hmm. Uh, If they share a burden of, of, you know, they're struggling maybe in their marriage as a ministry couple, they share that with their elders, they may come home and find out that they're fired. Uh, and, And so ministry leaders need someone to talk to. So we come along their side as mentors to befriend a ministry leader, to walk with them through life so that hopefully we can avert a crisis in their life. But when one comes, they know who to talk to so that they don't um, you know, move into moral failure or, or as we've even seen recently, even high-profile ministry leaders that have ended up taking their own life, which is just such an absolute tragedy. And so we come alongside and to encourage and to minister and to provide care for those who are serving. Wow, that's awesome. Where do you think the state of the pastors are in, in the U.S.? You know what I mean, like, like what, what, how bad is it? How bad of shape are the pastors in the U.S.? You know what I mean? Like, are, the majority are struggling. Like, what are, you have some statistics on that? And tell us kind of like what is happening among our pastors in this country? Yeah, first of all, the stats are not good at all. And there's many studies that have been done uh, first of all, is that about 1,500 pastors a month are leaving the ministry, mm. just absolutely walking away. Uh, there was a study that was done in, in 2020 that showed that 29% of all pastors seriously considered walking away from ministry. Seriously considered. Mm. And not just moving from one church to another church, but from... But, go sell cars. Not that that's a bad profession, but, but literally walking away from ministry. Uh, and, and the question was asked, uh, how does it relate to COVID? And so 29% because of COVID. Well, a year later, that number jumped to 38%. So a year later, we even see, saw an increase of pastors and leaders that are seriously considered walking away. Uh, there's just been so much pressure that have been upon pastors, especially through COVID. You know, church members are not coming back or whatever the case, or having to learn new skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and pastors ended up uh, being discouraged, being exhausted. Uh, and that has just exacerbated family issues and maybe even moral issue uh, areas of, of their life that they maybe have never dealt with, and, and now it's coming to light. So uh, we're really seeing an epidemic uh, amongst pastors today because it's a spiritual warfare. Uh, the enemy is using this as an opportunity to take people out of ministry. Mm-hmm. 
So how does it work? A pastor reaches out to Standing Stone because they're in need, and then you guys do what? Yeah, so that happens really in a couple ways. One is built on relationships, our own relationships, of pastors and ministry leaders that we know that we just befriend them. You know, we say, can we take you out for coffee? Can we get to know you? You know, and we just tell our story. We're here for you. We want nothing from you. Uh, you don't pay us. We do everything that we do. We do at no charge uh, for pastors, ministry leaders, or churches. And so we, we do this truly because we don't want anything from them. We want to be there to serve them. Uh, we also have individuals that contact Standing Stone and uh, uh, standingstoneministry.org. Uh, ORG, and and they'll contact and say, I'm in crisis, I'm in trouble, I need to talk to somebody. And so we get those calls as well that we will then answer. Um, oftentimes they're local, but sometimes we have to meet on Zoom, and we'll, uh, we'll just connect in that way. Right, right. And you guys have been successful in helping pastors kind of move through crisis into maybe a more stable or steady um, a place and able to continue on in ministry? Yeah, that's that's the beauty is that we are able to see the transformation that is that takes place within pastors' lives, uh, or or spouses. So my wife Sandy ministers a lot to the spouses of of pastors, uh, or maybe women that are serving in ministry. Uh, but we've seen individuals that have have walked through maybe purity issues, or they've walked through the exhaustion issues, or church conflict issues. And they're ready to just throw in the towel, um, you know. And I could tell story after story. And and what's different about our ministry compared to a ministry where you may have uh, you're ministering to orphans. You know, you can put up a picture of an orphan and say, "This is the little child that we're serving." Unfortunately, because what we do is so confidential, we can't do that. Right. You know, we can't put up a picture and say, "This is a pastor who." walk through this challenge. Uh, so uh, we, uh, uh, we just give this absolute promise that everything we do is confidential. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So how has your work with Standing Stone impacted the way you lead Harvest Network and minister to the pastors and ministers in the network? Has it made an impact there? Made a difference in the way you do yeah, ministry there? Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I'll tell you, it has... Um, has revolutionized my life in, in such a way that it has, first of all, helped me to become a better leader. Mm. Because number one, I'm not doing this alone. I've purposefully built a network around me that, that I can go to. And so that there's people who are praying for me and standing with me and, and, and people that, that, uh, um, that mentor me, even though I'm a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, but as we serve in Harvest, one of our passions that we have for Harvest Network, and it really focuses on this word network, is that we want to make sure that we truly are networking, that our members are not isolated. They're not lone rangers out in the field. So we are developing the systems and the programs that allow us to truly work as a network, uh, whether it be even reorganizing a little bit how we do our annual assemblies or our regional gatherings that we have every year. 
But beyond that is we're developing cohorts where our members can connect with one another, whether it's a prayer cohort or um, or a, uh, a topical cohort, you know, or a, we have one right now for women that are serving in ministry. And so you have these individuals all over the country that are now connecting together on a weekly basis that had never done before. Our ministry is almost 40 years old. And we're now having people that are connecting on a weekly basis. And I'll tell you, it makes me as really as a proud papa, you know, very, very pleased because we're we're seeing the body come together. And so this is what we've taken from Standing Stone and tried to implant into this ministry mm-hmm. to make sure that our leaders are not isolated, right. but we're truly connected with one another. Yeah. So as a network, we're networking even more than ever before. And we're seeing the fruit of that come to pass, you know. So, okay, tell me, let's look towards the future for Harvest Network International. We see kind of where we're at now. We're credentialing. We're networking better than ever before. Where do you see us down the road in the future? What do you, what do you, what's your vision for the future of HNI? Well, first of all, I want us to get better at what we're doing. You know, I, I really believe that, that we need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves first and doing that really well. Uh, before we can even move on to further expansion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we see that there are so many churches that are out there that are independent, that are trying to do it on their own. And again, we believe that we may be the best kept secret in the church world, that we, we can come along their side. We can inspire them and encourage them and nurture them and equip them to do what God has called them to do and do it better. Uh, we believe that there's so many opportunities, even for young leaders who are coming up to have a, a place, a family that they can be a part of, that they don't have to try and figure this out on their own. Uh, and, and maybe they don't want to be part of a large denomination that maybe has more stringent rules upon them, but they want to be a family and they want to, they want to learn to grow. Uh, they want to be nurtured and inspired. And, and we believe we have a place where they can do that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. I appreciate it. Dale Sism, longtime friend, and we've gotten to know each other better since 2014 when I joined the Elder Board. We even did a mission trip together in Haiti, which was a lot of fun. Always enjoy being with you and appreciate your gift to the body of Christ and your ministry, and uh, glad to have you with me today. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Family Talk. You can stay up to date on our family conversations by subscribing. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on TikTok. All those links can be found in the show notes. You can also hit the share button and share this episode on social or with someone that you love. And finally, dropping a rating and telling us what you think of this episode will help spread our conversations. Thank you for being a part of our family here at Family Talk. We'll see you next time.